Amen. Come on, church. One more huge shout of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Well, church, listen, I want to just take a moment here and just pause um, together. Man, what an incredible spirit today of just worship and incredible place just to be in God's presence today. But one of the things that uh, we wanted to do today was just share some news that um, that's happened among our church and among our church family this past week. It breaks my heart to share with you. Many of you probably recognized him. And many of you probably knew him. Adam and Brittany Bond would actually attend second service on which each and every single week. Um, but this past week, uh, Adam Bond passed away on Monday night. And um, and maybe if you realize, maybe after this picture, this was just a few just a few weeks ago, at the end of the year, this is him baptizing his daughter, Poppy. And man, what a beautiful day that that was. He loved the Lord. He loved the Lord and he had an incredible fight within his life. But today we just want to bring to life the pain that his family is going through and the grief that his family is going through today. And we just want to challenge you and encourage you as a church family, as being a part of their family, to just surround them with prayers. Maybe you never met him, but just lift your prayers up to the Lord. But then we also, as a church, you know, we're in Carter County. And listen, there's one way that you try to bring some comfort to a family is you feed them. You know what I mean? You try to feed them good. Nothing healthy today, just good comfort food. And so we just want to give you that opportunity. If you're looking for a way to even love on this family or serve this family, we're going to be having a meal here after the funeral. And we'd love to get your support. Maybe it's just bringing a dish, bringing a dessert, or maybe just holding the door open for the families as they come in. But we'd love to have you help and be a part of it. Gary and Mary Don will be out in the lobby, and they'll tell you all the different ways that you could serve and love on this family. Let's just pray for them today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that the family is going through so much pain and so much grief today. God, may you just surround them with your peace and with your love, God. We celebrate today. God, who you are, and Lord, your goodness and your mercy and grace that Adam has experienced throughout his life, Lord, Lord, and the greatest thing that he would celebrate today is you, and God, your work in his life. Lord, we love you today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Today, I want to open up with a study that was done in the late 1990s. There was some college students were taken into this psychology experiment, and where they were brought into this room, and this room immediately walked in, just had this aroma of fresh-baked cookies, and they found them. They were sitting here with some fresh-baked cookies sitting on the table, but alongside them was some radishes. And these cookies were warm and delicious, but that's not the words that you use for radishes. Can I get an amen? And half the students were said, you may enjoy these warm cookies, as many as you want, but then the other group was challenged to say, you actually, we're going to ask you not to partake of any of these cookies, actually to enjoy the radishes. You can't even use the word enjoy radishes, right? But that was the, that was the test. Half were given the opportunity to eat the cookies, half were not, just enjoy the radishes. And so they had to have the willpower to essentially say no, because the instructors just left the room and let them to their own free will, and they just had to say No. Well, they thought that the experiment was over, but yet they actually found they were challenged with one thing more. So before they leave, we actually would like for you to complete this puzzle for us. It's one of those puzzles where you, like, you have to keep the pencil on the paper and go and trace this shape. Well, it's actually impossible. They gave them an impossible puzzle. But their question was, how long will you work on it? How much willpower can you sustain to try to complete this puzzle. What was fascinating is that those that got to enjoy the cookies, 
18 minutes was their average time that they spent. Here's what was more fascinating. The radishes, only eight minutes was their average. And what this study and other studies have brought to life is that the willpower that we have, it's like a muscle. And it may be strong in the beginning, but over its use and over time, it begins to wane. It begins to weaken to where you find yourself just like them. I already used my energy to try to not eat the cookies. I have no more energy left. You experience this in your life. Maybe you have a hard day at work and you vow to be more patient with your kids when you come home. But the hard day and the struggles, it just wore you down to where you come home. And what are you? Hateful and angry. We want to bring to life this point in connection with last week is that your willpower is a limited resource. Like a muscle, it has only so much that it can give. And over the course of time, it will begin to break down. Willpower in our context, where we've been talking about living intentionally, mastering the habits that matter most so that you can become the person that God intends for you to be. So you can finally break that bad habit that you have been having, or you can start the new habit that will bring life to you. You find that you only have so much willpower. See, my story is like your story to where you have all the determination, you have all the motivation in the world to change, and you actually begin to see a little success. But then what happens? Failure comes knocking on your door. You slip up or you make a mistake. And then immediately you're like, I'm going to try again. And so you bring more determination, more willpower. But then if you're like me, oftentimes you find yourself failing once again. And with failure, here's the worst part. We begin to experience guilt. We begin to experience shame. And then we really begin to experience this voice in our head that says, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just change? These words we heard last week, Romans 7 verse 24 says it like this. And this was like the heart cry of every single one of us last week and probably within your own story. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Other versions say wretched. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And the reason you cry out those words is because you've already tried. You've already tried to free yourself. You've already tried to free yourself from the things that may be holding you down, keeping you bondage. You've already tried, and this is the cry of our spirit. Who, who will free us from this life that is dominated with sin and death. In verse 25, it gives us just a little bit of hope. It says, thanks be to God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we want to frame these three words for us because here's where we want to lead. This is where we want to take you today and give you some encouragement is that you, you can't. You think you can. You think you can. It's where we all start. You think you can, but you can't. But today we want to proclaim hope all across the room, but God can, but God can. Today we're going to be opening up our Bibles to Romans chapter eight, and where we're going to just get to unpack this piece of scripture that will connect with us to all of us that feel stuck, to all of us that are in these patterns of sin, addictive behaviors, wrong thinking, bad habits. We think we can, but God can. Today I want to bring to life who God is. 
Today, I want to bring to life what God has done for us. And then I want to bring to life then that who that makes you out to be. Who are you in light of who God is and what he has done? Let's open up Romans 8, 1 through 11 is where we're going to be. We're just going to read a couple verses here at a time. It says there, after everything we've heard from verse 25, 24, our state, there is therefore now. Can everybody just say now? Now. What's now mean? Now. Right now. Here. Today. This present moment. Your present reality. Therefore, there is now. We are in a new era, ladies and gentlemen, of salvation. We are in a new time where God is doing something new, where he has been working out the goodness. We are in that now. That now was now then. That now is now. Now. It's a lot of nows, right? Now. What? There is therefore now no, everybody's underlined that word in your Bible, no condemnation. What does condemnation mean? What does that mean? To be, we hear this word, you are being condemned, that you have been cast, that there's a judgment that has come upon you. Imagine somebody that has committed a crime, that you are condemned to the just penalty of your actions. We hear this word, but we hear the word, the word that's most important here is that no, there is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment, no wrath upon those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's just pause here for just a moment. So no condemnation, you and me, those who have put our faith in Jesus, we have been delivered here from the penalty of all that is sin and death, delivered here, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, in Adam, we were condemned, but in Christ, we are set free. That this is not just a statement that we are proclaiming, but this is a positional statement of which to set your life on. You are found in Christ, in being where you now are, as if who you are now surrounded by, that you have made your dwelling in him, who he is and what he has done. Another way that we can look at it, it is a fixed position. You right now who are found in Christ, that's where you are. This is your position fixed in him. It's a place of rest. Verse one, this is where we begin, kind of the setup here. And then it continues on verse two, four, the law of the spirit of life or the Holy Spirit that brings forth life has set you free in Christ. Some of you today, you need to know that, that there actually can be freedom, that there really is such thing as being free, but it's only in Christ. From the law, free from what? Free of what? Sin and death. Sin and death. Both the present and the eternal. You have been set free from. This is such, such good news. Free, another way you can look at it, you're liberated, you're exempt, or my favorite, delivered. You have been delivered from the bondage of sin and death, from all that has held you captive, all that will try to keep you captive. You've been delivered from the law of sin and death. And I love this, being delivered from something means that it cannot claim you, that you are no longer positionally bound to it. Free, Free, no longer there. But I have to ask this question. How is that possible? How is it possible? So in Christ Jesus, you have been set free. How? 
How is this possible today? Well, let me tell you how it's not possible. It's not possible through the law. Let's look at verse three and four. It says, for those who, nope, that's verse five. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You see, the law, it's not possible through the law. It's unable. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to be a good enough person to keep all the commands that God has written. It's impossible for you to find justice among yourself or to find yourself being righteous by your actions, by your deeds. It is impossible. What does this mean in the big story? You cannot save yourself. You cannot free yourself from sin and death. You cannot. You cannot. This is where it's saying, man, don't we try? Don't we try? This is where we all begin. We try. We try our own power. We try our own strength. We try even in our own habits to try to free ourselves from what we have been bonded to. But yet we find we can't. We can't. We could not save ourselves. You cannot save yourself. And we see this because of the flesh and the weakness. But we get to see these words. And this is where we started. But God can. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's read this on the screen. For our sake. For our sake. He made him. Who is he? God made him. His son Jesus who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you take this just a little bit further, Christ in his sinful, sinlessness, he was made in the likeness of flesh that we see, but yet he knew no sin, no sin, none whatsoever. And he suffered the judgment of God upon that sin, all that sin requires all of the judgment of God. He took that. And the condemnation we deserve has been poured out on Christ. It is the greatest interchange of all history that he took our place, that he was the substitute for the penalty of our sins and all sin came upon him. And he took that on the cross and set us free. The interchange. Christ becomes what we are so that we might become what he is. And what is he? He is now righteous. What does righteous mean? He is right standing before God. He is now, because we are now, can be right standing before God. We can be considered righteous, innocent, free of the judgment of God. And then, this is incredible, we can be fulfilled and complete. And here's where we find it. This is what I want to keep going back to, is that it's not because of anything you have done. It is simply because of God's love, mercy, and grace being poured out through His Son. Through His Son. And so right now, when you already have this mindset, who is God? You already have a picture you've been painting for years. Maybe it was told to you by your grandparents, or maybe you've just determined it's already set by what the culture said about God. Right now, you already have a picture or an image of who God is. What we find here, who is God? Who is God? God is the one that has come to you and to me. God is the one that is able to set people free. God is the one that has true love and true compassion on those that are broken and those that are in bondage. And how much does he love those that are broken and in bondage? How much is enough to send his own son? 
enough to send his own son, that he put all of our sin, all of the sin, not only of us in this room, but the entire world upon him. And he was our substitute. He is the one now that we can be set free. And so when we start talking about change, when we start wanting to see change in our life, here's where I want to take us today is that it all begins on how you see God and who he is. Who is God? He is the one that sets you free. What did he do? He sent his son in Christ. Through Christ, we were able to be free, to be found free, to be counted as righteous. You see, the basis for change is to understand who God is and what he has done through Jesus. Our church name is called Foundation Church. Foundation Church, because we all know you're building your life upon something. And when it goes to change in your life, this is what I would proclaim that it begins upon. A proper understanding of who God is and what he has done through Jesus. This is what we stand upon. Who he is, what God's word says about who he is and what he has done through Jesus. This is what we stand upon. The foundation that then allows us to become truly who we are now and lead us into the path of what we are called to do. Romans 5.8 kind of makes a little transition here. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, or we get the verse before, those who walk in this way, who walk according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot, will not ever be able to please God. You see, we see this spirit coming out through this text, this Holy Spirit, God in us, God, the part of the the Trinity here coming to play that's being proclaimed as the helper, the promised one to come the one that guides us and empowers us and transforms us. What we see in direct opposition is the flesh. And boy, do we know the flesh all too well. The flesh is the reason that you haven't been able to stop your gambling problem. The the flesh is the reason that you can't stop gossiping behind your friend's back. The flesh is the reason that you keep looking at the things that you don't want to look at. The flesh is the thing that keeps you being envious of others' lives and being jealous and The flesh is the thing that keeps driving you to live selfishly instead of selfless. The flesh is the thing that keeps you comparing your life with everyone else's. Boy, do we know what the flesh is, and boy, do we know how to give into it and entertain it. It goes after our desires. It goes after our passions. It goes after everything that can gratify us that's right in front of us. The flesh continues to work around us, and even sometimes through us. But here's where we want to pull from this scripture. It says that those who walk by the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Those who walk by the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Brings a light that the battleground of everything we're facing is like it's right here. There's a couple lines that what you think changes everything. Or Norman Vincent Peale, we put it up here on the screen. Change your thoughts and change your world. 
And it says more, how's it change your world? Well, those that think about the flesh or think about the spirit, you get to experience different things. Those that think about the flesh is death. Spirit is life. And this is a real tension in your culture and a real tension in your life. Because what it proclaims here in verses four and five, it says here that those who live by the spirit, who said there are in verse six, set their mind on the spirit is life and peace. Our culture has all sorts of different voices on what will bring you life and what will bring you peace. You'll find the culture pointing out that it's your own gratification, that whatever you desire you should have, that will bring you life and that will bring you peace. You'll find personal fulfillment will be one of those things, that the job that you carry or the job you hold will bring you fulfillment. Wealth, that's a huge one. That wealth will bring you peace and will bring you life. You can continue to see relationships. That's a big one. This relationship will finally bring you peace, peace or life. Or your good deeds. You think your good deeds is what will bring you peace or life. And I can continue on, but the culture continues to bring this to life. And the culture says peace as if like there's this contentment, right, within your soul. And we all crave it. We all crave it, but I want to bring to life here that there's something different about this type of peace. This peace isn't an emotion that you experience, but it's a reality that you step into. And what I mean by that is that the peace that it's talking about, to live according to the Spirit, brings a peace into your reality between you and God. That the one that you were once hostile to, the one that you were once against, you now find peace with a oneness, a connection, a unity, a bond, an intimacy with. There is now peace between you and the creator of the universe. Peace between the one that hung the stars in the sky. There is no hostility now. It's peace. And you know what happens when you have peace with God? Everything changes. Everything changes. doesn't mean you don't have hardships or difficulties or moments when you just go crazy. But overall, peace fills your soul because you and the one that created it all are at peace together. Verse 7, it says, There is no peace with God among the carnal mind, among the flesh. And here's what I want to proclaim is that nothing in this world will give you that peace. There is absolutely nothing in this world that will bring that peace between you and God. Nothing. None of these things that culture may say or none of the things that you may be battling right now, none of them will bring you peace. You actually find that your flesh, the culture, everything that is outside of God is hostile to God. There's actually no neutrality. It isn't like the culture kind of likes God or it isn't like your flesh kind of likes God. It's hostile to everything that is good and right according to God's law. And so verse 8, it ends here that you cannot, you are unable, it's absolutely impossible for that flesh to please God, to bring peace between you and Him. And so building on the case, we see the two natures at opposition with one another. It's like two magnets that you try to push together, but they just won't. Opposing forces against one another. This is what we've been experiencing. This is what we've been talking about in our life. This is maybe where you even find yourself today. That you want to do what's good, but yet you find yourself doing what is wrong. You find yourself struggling with the fleshly desires, but you just want to walk by the Spirit. There is a tension that you may feel, but this is where I want to get to. We have learned today, who is God? 
Man, he loves you so much. He is gracious. He is merciful. What did he do? How did he show that? He sent his son Jesus for you and me. It says that in Christ we are set free, that there is no bondage, that there is no captivity anymore, that you are set free. And so then what does that mean? It changes 100% who you are. In verse 9, we see one of the greatest transitions. It says, you, however, we can put it this way, y'all, Y'all, y'all in this room, you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus, y'all, me included, guess what? Guess what? We are not in the flesh, but we are in the spirit. See, what the enemy will do in every single way throughout our walk is he will attack our identity first. And what is culture doing right now? The culture is trying to tell you all the other identities that are important. But here's what you find. You, however, are not of the flesh, but you are of the spirit. Y'all, Foundation Church, we are in the spirit, not in the flesh. This is who we are, not once again by anything that you have done, but only through what Christ has done. Now we have a new identity. Now we have a new freedom that we can live out, that we can know. It says, but in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, now, here's what I love. Most of the time you'll hear this if as if it's conditional on you. All right, let me play this out for a second. That you are found in the spirit based on what you do or based on your good deeds. Have you heard this before? And you hear this mindset that you have to continue to check all the boxes as if you have to keep the salvation you didn't earn by earning it. And here's where I just want to play into this. I don't think that's what it's saying here. The if is not conditional upon anything that you have done because the ifs up until this point have not been conditional on anything that you have done. What it is saying here is that where you find yourself now in the spirit is in direct correlation with who God is. If you are in the spirit means then, then you are set free from the flesh. You see the if? If you are in the spirit, the flesh no longer has power over you. You are no longer captive. You see the condition. If you are in the spirit, you're set free. This is the condition it's putting. And anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Once again, don't have the spirit, you don't belong to him. It's there. That's what we're saying. But if you do, he is there. So good. And it continues on verse 10. But if Christ, if, once again, the condition, but if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life, the spirit is life. Or put it another way, the spirit brings forth life because of righteousness. The righteousness that was connected in the first and second verses. The righteousness that has been granted to you because of who God is and what he has done through his son, Jesus. This is the conditions that you hold. This is the conditions that you now have. This is a beautiful passage. A beautiful passage that I hope you're getting to see clearly here. The Spirit brings forth life. It's its nature. So if the Spirit is in you, guess what you will begin to see in your life? Life. Life. Peace. This is good news. This is good news. But we get to this line here. We get to this line in Galatians 5.16 that we want to bring to life. It says, not yet here. We'll get to verse Galatians 5.16 here in just a second. We want to finish this verse. Verse 11. You see, the Spirit dwelling in you, life is its very nature. In verse 11, we get to see, man, a powerful, powerful verse. If the Spirit, 
condition. Once again, if the Spirit, so right now, if you are living your life, if you have the Spirit in you, then this is what it means for you. That the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What does dwell mean? It's as if the Spirit's knocked on the door, he's got his bags packed, he said, which room was mine? And also, not only which room was mine, but we're about to fix her up for this whole place. Because I'm coming in, I am dwelling in you. Dwelling. Dwelling now. Your faith in who Jesus is, guess what? You now receive me. And I'm not just going to be a part of your life out here on the side, but I'm actually coming into your life. I'm dwelling in your life. I'm going to make my home in you. And there's a lot of things we're going to be changing, but it's just going to take some time. But I am here. It says those who are found in Christ, that we see that the Spirit, that the Spirit dwells in you. And what is the Spirit? How, what does this mean? He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is like one of the greatest celebration verses because what this means is that there is a power now within you. What kind of power? This is the resurrection power. The thing that brings dead things back to life. It takes the dead parts of your body, the dead parts, of your, and he restores, he redeems, he brings it to life. And here's what, it's his nature. It's his nature. The thing that dwells within he who dwells in you, what does it do? It produces life. It brings dead things back to life. And here's what it can do and will do. It will bring you. And all of those different places, all those different struggles to life, all those dead places, all those things you're struggling with will bring it to life. You feel dead, stuck in bondage? Got an area in your life that you just continue to struggle with? You don't have to stay dead. This is where we proclaim as a church. You don't have to stay dead. We were once dead, but you don't have to stay dead. Because resurrection power is available to you. And continue on with our theme to continue to drive this point home. You can't. You can't, but God can through you. Galatians 5, 16 is kind of makes this condition as well. But if you, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in accordance. Walk in step. I always get in trouble because my long legs, I walk fast. And my wife is always like, slow down, or she's pulling me along. Or I say, I'm, I'm not walking at your pace. So what she do, she grabs my hand, and we got to walk in step, slowly. Walk by the Spirit. That's what it's saying, walk. But I want to give you some help here. I want to give you some encouragement. As we set the stage here, we had to begin. You want to see change. You want to get unstuck. You want to see a difference in your life. But we had to begin. You can't do it on your willpower. We have seen some incredible feats of strength. We see some people do some incredible things on their own. But man, don't you just want to see what God could do through you? Don't you just want to see what God's power could do in you and through you? And so here's what we want to do. We want to give you just a little bit of help here, a little bit of encouragement. Whoever it is that you want to become or stop being, whatever it is that you want to do or stop doing, you need more than willpower. I need more than willpower. You need God's power working through you. I want to give you four words that we're going to be walking through today as just a little application, a thing for you to just take home with you and just allow to rest on your soul. Number one, we need to renew. We need to remain. We need to acknowledge and we need to ask. 
the renewal part starts first right here. You need to renew your mind. There's a word called metanoia. It means rethink. We see it in connection to repent, that you need to repent. And today, that's what you need. You need to change your mind. You need to change your thoughts. And what do I encourage you most to change today? How you see God. Change your thought of who God is, and it will change everything. Does He really love you? Yes. Do you believe it? Renew your mind. Rethink. Who is God? What does God's word say? What has Jesus done? How is it possible for me to have no condemnation, to actually be free? God's word says this, and it shows us. Romans 12 says this in 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's not, go to the next one. The next, there we go. Do not be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, here's what I've had to do in my life. In order to renew my mind, there's two things. I've got to renew my mind. I've got to refill my mind with the good, and then I've got to remove the bad. You see, the content that we take in, the voices that we allow in our life is constantly transforming how we think and how we see the world. That right now you have been taught or the culture is teaching you or your parents or your grandparents, you have literally ruts in your head because you've heard the same thing so much. And so renewal is seeing God's word, seeing the truth, not just skimming it or taking a verse at a time, but voraciously opening up it and studying it so that you can have new pathways, new thinking happen in your mind. And here's where it'll start. Who is God and what has he done? But I challenge you, remove what you may be consuming that may be taking you away from the truth. Now, here's what I know is that struggle will come tomorrow. Struggle will probably even come today. That the thing that you've been tempted with, the thing that you've been dealing with, it may be coming just as soon as you leave this room. To renew your mind isn't something you do in the moment. Renewing your mind is something you do before the moment. See, you don't step into a fight without preparation. So you don't step into the fight and just say, I need to renew my mind now. No, you should have been renewing your mind before. And so right now, this is something that you do before the temptation comes, before the Spirit begins to work against you. Renew your mind. And then we see the next one, remain. Remain in what? Remain in Christ. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so what do you say to do? Abide, remain. We talked about this week too. Just be the branch. Stay connected to the source that brings you peace and life and allow it to flow and you'll see fruit come into your life. Once again, remain. This is a closeness and intimacy. But as I said before, listen, the moment will come and you will have the opportunity to do something you don't want to do. You're going to either be tempted. You're going to either have a struggle come into your life. You're going to have adversity hit. You're going to have somebody that's going to come against you. And then the flesh, here's what you'll do. The flesh will kick in to overdrive. And here's what you'll do. You'll hear a voice. Mine kind of sounds like David Goggins and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And here's what it says. One says, you're the strongest, 
toughest man alive. That's the David Goggins. I'm like, and then you'll see the Dwayne the Rock Johnson will begin to play in my head. You can do it. And they'll kind of give you the eyebrow look. You know what I mean? Like, you can do it. You're strong enough. Did you smell what's been cooking in your life? I'm just kidding. I think that's him, right? Is that good? That was right on. So you'll hear this voice, though. You'll hear this voice. And here's what it'll do. It's your biggest pep talker. And man, you'll hear the voices come in about how strong you are, how confident you are. This is probably one of the most, the voices though, that tries to speak into you the most. These are the voices we love because it puffs your chest up. You're like, yeah, I am. You're right. But here's what we got to do. This is my challenge for you today. Is that when those voices show up, that when they start coming at you, you got to ignore them. You got you to ignore them. Push them to the side. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them for a moment. And there's a reason why. Because listen, our flesh, the enemy, I think, does this to trick us and deceive us. It's overly confident. It's if you want to get into my life, it's dangerously prideful. Dangerously prideful. Think that you can. You believe that you can. You think you've got the power to change. But this voice, it cannot be trusted. For those that have been in addiction or in recovery, you know this to be true more than any of us. 12-step program starts with the first statement. Right? The 12-step program, it says this. It says, we admitted we are powerless over sin, that our lives have become unmanageable. And then the second one becomes even more true. We came to believe that a power bigger than ourselves could restore us. And so when you find yourself, when you find yourself in these moments of temptation, here's the words. You, you say, I can when I admit I can't. I can when I admit I can't. You just simply acknowledge, God, I can't. I can't. That is putting down all your pride, putting down all your strength. You're saying, I can't. And this is the pathway. This is the open door then that allows the Spirit of God to begin to work in your life. This is the pathway that leads to that resurrection power to come into your life, to see something new begin to stir, something new begin to happen. It's when you begin to acknowledge that you can't, but then you say this, but God, you can. But God, you can. But it leads to the last one I think is almost even more difficult because it steps right into our, our pride is that you got to ask. Is that you got to ask. So you acknowledge that you can't, he can, but in all the moments that you'll see in your life and the struggles that you see in your life, you got to ask. It's as if you got to continue to open up the door in the moment of temptation, in the moment when you're about to look at something you don't want to look at, or in the moments you're about to say something that you don't want to say, you just got to pause and say, God, I can't do this. Lord, right now, I just need your help. I need your power to work through me. And you'll just feel like this weight get lifted because you realize it's not on you. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to be moving through and going to be working through you. And so it's just this challenging word. Just ask, ask, acknowledge, God, I know I can't. I don't have the power. I can't do this. But God, I know you can. You have the power. Please give me the power I need in this moment. But here's what we got to do is that we can't just do it in the moments when we're tempted. 
We got to do this throughout our life, throughout our day. It's like when you wake up tomorrow morning, just go ahead and acknowledge, God, there's going to be some trouble today. I already know I can't, but God, you can. And so, Lord, today, today, would your spirit just be in me? Would your spirit just walk through me? Would it just empower me? Give me the right words to say. Give me the right things to move through, to connect with. God, just help me. And then you get into that conversation with that person that's really hard to love. You know, you've been there and you just pause and say, God, I just need you to help me love this person. Or you get to that point where you need to offer a word of encouragement to a family. You say, God, I don't know the words, but you do. Lord, speak through me. May your power just come through me to offer comfort and encouragement. You see, it's not just something you ask in the moments, but make it a habit to do in every single moment. And man, could you see a move of God in your life. Moment by moment, make it a broken record. Now, here's what you'll find. If you just do these things, continue to renew your mind, remain in Him, acknowledge you can't, and then ask, here's what you'll find. You'll find yourself walking by the Spirit. And man, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun. You're gonna see some God have some breakthroughs in your life. But here's what I gotta remind you of. This is where we all are, we're walking. Ain't nobody in here that isn't a beginner. We're all continually staying humble and faithful to what God's doing, but we're walking, all right? We're walking by the Spirit. We aren't running, we're walking. And here's what happens when you walk. Some of you may be new to following Jesus. Some of you may be new to trusting in Jesus. And here's what it's like. It's still oftentimes, this is what my life is like. I got a nine-month-old son named Avery. Here's what he's doing right now. It's so much fun. He'll grab my thumbs and then he'll pull himself up. Oh, so much. And then he'll sit right back down, pull himself up. We'll do it a hundred times. And I know what's about to happen. He's about to start walking. And there's going to be a moment where he'll finally like let go of my hands and I'll let go and be like, you're, you're almost doing it. Like you're almost walking. This is so exciting. This is awesome. And then there'll be that moment where he'll, you know, shakily and awkwardly, he'll try to take a step. And those eyes will get real big. Me and Emily will be roaring like he's taking a step. He's walking. We're seeing this happen. It's like we're roaring, excited. But you know what happens? He'll fall down or he'll trip up. But then you know what we'll do? Here's what we'll pick him back up. Say, come on, son. Let's take another step. Let's take another step. And you know what he'll do? He'll awkwardly take another one and then he'll fall back down with a little joy in his eyes, with a little hope in his eyes because he's tasted just a little bit of what walking could be, right? Taste it. And so here's what we get to see. Or here's what you don't see. Let's put it this way. Here's what you don't see me and my wife do. You don't see my son stand and try to take a step and fall and then look at him and be like, well, I guess he can't walk. What a loser. We don't do that, right? Could you imagine? Be terrible, right? Be the worst parents ever. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. And so here's what I want to paint in your head. Why do you think God does that with you? Why do you think God does that with you? What's he say? Walk with the Spirit. You know what you're going to do? You're going to fall. You're going to get tripped up. You're going to have some moments where you're like, I think I'm just going to stay down. But God's going to do. You know what he's going to do? It isn't like this. Why'd you fall? It's not the look on his face. It's not who he is. He's not looking and saying, why'd you fall? I said, hey, come on, son. 
And some of you need to know that today. Some of you need to see that today. Some of you need to experience that today. That the look on his face is not what you think. You say, come on, son. Let's just keep walking. Let's take a few more steps. You just keep walking with me. You just keep walking with my spirit. You just keep taking the step. Keep taking the step. I'm going to be right here with you. My face isn't changing. My love doesn't change. You just keep walking with me. Some of you need to know that today. Some of you need to experience that today. It's here for you. The last thing I want to share with you is that you walking with the Spirit, you trying to become the person that you want to be, you trying to have the marriage that you want to have, you try to have just the peace that you want to have, that, that it's going to take some time, that it won't happen overnight. You're walking. You're walking to the place that you want to be. You're walking. What you want most almost always takes time. Almost always takes time. And listen, here's what we see through the truth of Scripture is that you can have it. Walk with the Spirit, you can have it. But not now. The person you want to become, the things that you want to change, the habits you want to break, you're walking you're walking. You walk there with the Spirit, depending on God moment by moment. You can change. You can be free, but you can't. But God can do all of those things if we would walk and step with Him. Would you just stand with us this morning in just a moment of worship and reflection? Listen, today God's word is powerful and it's moving in so many of our lives today. But we encourage you that maybe today may be the very first step that you've ever taken towards him. And today we want to help you take that step. Today we want to give you that encouragement that you can cry out to him, that you can that you can believe in him, that you can put your faith and trust in him, that you can actually be free, but only through Jesus. Those that put their faith and trust in him can experience that. And today we want to help you do just that. You know, throughout our culture, we've always seen it as walking an aisle. Maybe that's what you need to do is take that step literally up here towards me or to one of our prayer team. And we just want to pray with you and walk you through that. You know, we've got a guy today, Gabriel, going to be baptized. And man, to see the work of God in his life. And maybe that's you today. You've been walking with Jesus, but you've never been a part of that covenant relationship with him. You've never stepped into that. You've never been washed clean. You feel like you're washed clean. You want to take that step of baptism today? The water's warm. Water's warm. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you got a struggle and a battle that you've just been raging war for years or you feel like the flesh has just consumed you. Today, we just encourage you to come forward for prayer and encouragement today. God is good. God is good, church. His word is good. May we proclaim it today in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, God, for bringing us into your house. We thank you for your word. God, may we see you with new eyes. May we see you who you clearly are. May we see clearly what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. May we proclaim today in his name that we are set free, that we now have the spirit indwelling within us, that there is a power moving and working and available to us right now. God, may we live our lives now with that power in step with that spirit, God, living and working through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.